are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by the global nonprofit organization Win Women in Innovation. Each episode features inspiring innovators from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and Fortune 500 companies who share their innovation secrets and career trajectories every Monday. As for me, I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, global product lead at Win by Night and product manager by day. Hello, everyone, and happy Valentine's Day, as well as the day after Super Bowl Sunday. I actually have no idea who even played in the Super Bowl because I'm a hockey girl, so I will take this opportunity to say, go Rangers. But today's episode feels really fitting for a day meant to celebrate love and friendship because I talked to Brittany Driscoll, who is the co-founder and CEO of Squeeze. I'm sure most of you in the U.S. have heard of Dry Bar, which is a really iconic business that really revolutionized the experience of getting your hair blown out. Brittany actually started out heading up marketing at Dry Bar, really scaling that business tremendously. And then essentially, she decided that she wanted to create her own thing. And Dry Bar's founder, Ali Webb, offered her to partner together on a new concept, which is Squeeze. And that is all about creating a better, more accessible massage experience. We talk all about innovation from a perspective of brand and voice and the consumer experience. And Brittany is clearly a professional in her space, but she's just so relatable and funny, and I loved having her on. On top of the other 800 million things that Brittany does that you will hear all about, she and Allie Webb and Lori Harder started a podcast called Girlfriends in Business, where they have conversations around mentorship, advice, and everything that they wish they knew when they were building their businesses. After Brittany and I recorded, I joined her on as a guest of Girlfriends in Business, and I talked about my trajectory and things that I'm passionate about like uncovering taboos around money and ambition and careers. So if you want to hear more of our conversation, definitely check out our episode of Girlfriends and Business wherever you listen to your podcasts. With that, super excited to share this episode with you. And here is Brittany. Hi, Brittany. Welcome to the Win Win Podcast. Hi, Zoya. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we are going to have such a fun day together. So for our listeners, we are recording for both the Win Win Podcast and Brittany's podcast, Girlfriends in Business. So make sure you listen and subscribe to both podcasts and episodes to hear us continue the conversation on Brittany's podcast. So let's kick it off. Uh, You are such a multifaceted person. You're a wife, you're a co-founder of Squeeze, a new massage experience that you co-founded with the founders of Dry Bar. You actually used to run marketing at Dry Bar, so that's your baby too. (laughs) And also you have a service agency called The Feel Good Company, which hones in on female-founded wellness brands and, of course, the podcast. So while my plate looks very different than yours, something that I pride myself on is being a multi-hyphenate, working on and launching a bunch of different things. And I actually have a very clear method to my madness, um, you know, things I say no to or yes to. But I really want to kick us off by hearing all about yours. How do you decide what's on your plate and what is your approach to prioritization? Yeah. You know, it's really, um, it's been an interesting journey. I, as you mentioned, I started my career in more of the corporate America, working for other businesses and people and started my career in marketing. And I chose that route because I really fell in love with the impact of what brands could do 
um, in terms of messaging and connecting with people. You know, there's really an opportunity to create meaning and, you know, excitement and fun or impact, you know, depending on the brand and the campaign. And so, you know, it really kind of catapulted my career from that standpoint. And and I've kind of always had these like very specific transitions when I look back on my career. And I think, I think if I could sum it, drill it down into one thing, it really was about pushing myself beyond my comfort zone and really trying to like get outside of the box and do things a little differently. I suppose that was like my entrepreneurial spirit, you know, manifesting in, in the, the corporate world. And totally. so, I mean, really, you know, I was always kind of just pushing and going to the next thing. And then when I eventually got to dry bar, which was a really exciting place for me to be, cause I personally just loved the brand and, you know, felt very much connected to the overall mission. We always used to say that we weren't selling blowouts. We were selling happiness and confidence that came with a blowout. And when you look good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you can take on the world. Like, you know, so we really felt like we were a part of contributing to women's success and confidence and, and all of that. And I spent four years there. I helped grow the company from 30 million to over a hundred million. And built the team. And it was just kind of that constant, like figuring things out because we were just mm-hmm. on this trajectory of rapid growth. And then, you know, and then I got to a point where I had opened over 60 doors and I had launched the product line into several retailers and, um, driver has a long trajectory ahead of itself. But if I go back to kind of just that constant mentality of pushing myself, I was ready for a new challenge, which is really where squeeze comes in. Um, squeeze was the brainchild of Michael and Allie. They had always wanted to start the massage concept. They just didn't have the bandwidth to get it off the ground. And, and so I think for me, you know, my approach to prioritizing what I'm doing is really about what I'm passionate about, what's going to get me out of bed in the morning. And then if I'm feeling challenged, because I think if you're challenged and I'll go back to that idea of like discomfort, you're fulfilled, you know, because it really is about learning and growing. And, and it's interesting because I would have never thought that I would end up where I am, you know, it's Mm -hmm, just like, mm -hmm. and I think that's something for everyone to, you know, think about and remember is like, wherever you're at currently, it's teaching you something, it's preparing you for whatever is next. And you don't really have to have it all figured out. At least I don't think, um, you know, I think it's kind of just part of discovering yourself and how you're growing and learning. Couldn't agree more. And I was recently listening to your podcast and I know you talked about not setting New Year's resolutions, but really setting like a word and an intention. And I know that that word for you was health. And so, you know, when I think about the question that I was getting at and that notion of like, you know, what is that filter? What is that guidance? I love that, you know, when you think about something as intentional as a word, or maybe it's a question, a question of growth, ultimately you are creating guidelines for yourselves, but not ones that will set you up for failure and ones that will actually keep you open for new and exciting opportunities. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Lori and I and Ali, you know, we talk about it a lot on Girlfriends in Business, this idea of goal setting, like we are all clearly very goal oriented and motivated, but sometimes putting timelines against your goals can feel defeating when you shouldn't feel that way at all. You know, I mean, sometimes things just take a little bit longer. And so the idea of kind of traditional resolutions, I threw out the door several years ago, because I I just felt like, to your point, it was it was setting me up for failure. I didn't feel good. It wasn't wasn't exciting. Um, Yeah. So yeah, now I kind of reposition the new year to think about 
who I want to be and how I want to show up versus what I want to do or what I want to accomplish. And, you know, I think there's a power to, you know, identity based goals versus achievement based goals. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to really think about, you know, who you want to be and how you want to show up. And I think that will trickle down into great accomplishments as well. I was recently reading uh, James Clear, yes. James Clear's Atomic Habits, and, and I think it's spot on, right? Like, I loved what he was saying, even something as your health. Like, I, I behave like a healthy person versus I'm not going to eat a donut because I, you know, limit or restrict myself in exactly. whatever way. Yeah. So it's super, super powerful. I mean, bringing it back to this idea of innovation and setting, you know, goals around innovation or something that sometimes feels as lofty as innovation, just using kind of your time at Drybar, right? You mentioned that you took the company from $30 million to $100 million. I mean, unbelievably impressive statistics on their own. But I really want to get into the nitty gritty. What what does Drybar look like at 30 million? What was the kind of challenge and opportunity to innovate you saw when you were there? I always had this mentality um, or perspective for myself at Drybar. I, I was the head of marketing and I always used to joke that I wanted to work myself out of a job because I really <laughs> believe that a great experience that generates positive word of mouth is gold, right? I mean, it is literally the goal of every great company is to have your consumers talking about you versus the brand. And, um, and you know, Driver really grew like that. It, when I started, the company had around 25 locations. And again, it was 30 million. So it already had, you know, tr- tremendous momentum. And so, you know, really what our focus when I got there was, is just putting some organization in place. I mean, really, there mm-hmm. were like, you know, we, there was nothing. It, it, it was just such a good experience that people kept talking about it and they wanted more locations open. And so, you know, the founding team just scrambled to make that all happen. But when I came in, it was really about, you know, okay, how are we going to be strategic about real estate? How are we going to think about opening new markets? And um, what are our local marketing tactics? And how do we want to think about building out the product line? And, you know, let's, it was just more about putting the puzzle pieces together and organizing it a little bit more. You know, I got Mm -hmm, the chance to mm -hmm. build out the team, which was amazing. But the the foundation was there. And really, the way that we continued to grow Drybar was with that mentality of creating a great experience, this like frenzy that everyone wanted to be a part of. And, um, and that ultimately comes down to the experience first and foremost. When I'm talking to people who are interested in starting a business, I always try and remind them that they need to really understand what their their why is first before defining what the product or the experience is. Because again, totally. you have to connect emotionally with your consumer on some level. Like there has to be true value in what you're delivering. Um, and so I think if you start with that first, which again, you know, Driver was all about that, like all the little things that are just going to make women's day so much better and smile and like, wow, you know, give, give that wow feeling. So in any case, you know, that was, we tried really hard not to lose that magic as we grow. It's a lot harder than it sounds. I, both squeeze actually and dry bar, uh, a blowout or a massage. Those are not novel things, yet you're adding such magic to them that the experience is really magical. But I, I'd love to challenge you and think about like, you know, how do other companies that are selling 
health insurance or credit cards or whatever else? Like, what do you think is something that they can take away from that approach to innovation to making somebody excited about something, but something that, you know, the thing itself is not as exciting as getting beautiful or, you know, feeling good in your in your skin? That's a great question. It's interesting when you said, I love the word magic. It actually reminded me of Seth Godin's quote, people don't buy products and services, they buy relations, stories, and magic. So I actually feel like that's a good place to start. You know, it's to your point, if you're selling cat food or credit Mm -hmm. cards or health insurance, at the end of the day, those are still necessities, right? They're a part of people's lives. And there is an experiential component. There's a relationship component, you know, specifically in the financial space. So I feel like it's really about connecting with people personally, finding ways to surprise and delight along the way. I mean, there's so much opportunity, whether it's the way that the customer service team is talking to someone, the, you know, copy that they're getting in their email, um, you know, physically what the package looks like when it arrives and how it addresses you. Like, I, you know, I think there's just a lot of ways that brands can create that emotional connection with people that feels differentiated. And I'll always go back to that idea of surprise and delight, because if those little things didn't exist, you would never notice it. You would never know that there's a void of something. But the second people realize, oh, wow, like someone took the time to think, to think about this and to consider how this would make me smile or how it would make me feel, it makes a massive difference. And so it's like, no matter what you're doing and what you're building, think about how you get people to, to evoke that feeling or how you evoke that feeling in people. And I found that some of those things that maybe other people don't notice or may seem like unintentional that are hugely intentional. An example of that for me in Dry Bar was how everything was really well named, like mm-hmm. the Buttercup Curling Iron or the Mai Tai or the Cosm. And it's like, I don't work for the company. This is not a sponsored episode, but it's like, these are things that I, I remember. And actually, this is may or may not make you laugh. Let me go on this tangent here. <laughs> I actually recently wrote my will, which, you know, for those of you who don't know, I am in my late 20s. And, you know, people's reaction is like, well, are are you dying? Like, what's happening? No. So I, I do work in the financial services industry in my day job. But I've really been kind of considering, like, how am I planning my wealth, my, you know, savings, all these things. And a friend of mine um, is head of product management at Trust and Will, a company that really helped me digitize the entire thing. I love the product. The whole thing was great. But to your point, my will came in the mail today, which, you know, I, I saw the envelope and it made me suddenly I did get nervous. And I'm going to literally show it to you because it's on my desk. It came in these pastel yes. colored envelopes that say healthcare and when you end will and you open it and there's a little note and it's so fun. And to your, you know, exactly to your point, it's exactly what you're talking about. Like yep. you wouldn't think that the color of the envelope or their friendly font or thank you note would make the day. But now I'm here. I am excitedly talking to you about my will. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It is all about just those little moments and putting some thought into, into doing it differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they even asked me, like, is there a song you'd want to play at your at your memorial service? Please. And I was like, this is so morbid, but like also so fun. No, it's <laughs> awesome. It is awesome. I actually feel like really quickly, it's so um, it's fascinating that you've done that at such, such a young age. I have also this weird tendency to think about, to your point earlier about like decision making, like when I'm on my deathbed, and I look back on my life, like, what am I going to really be 
grateful for or proud of that I like sure. to spend my time or whatever. So um, I actually feel like, you know, that forward thinking approach puts things into perspective. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like, I think that me doing it now is a whole lot less depressing than actually doing it on my deathbed. <laughs> so who knows? Who yes. knows? Um, going back to, I guess, the living and, and all other <laughs> positive things, I know that, you know, you mentioned that ultimately Squeeze came into the picture, you know, at a later stage when you were actually thinking about what is next for you. And so I'd love to dive into, you know, relationships with your managers because I think, you know, we definitely have some, some listeners that are earlier on in their career, but with the majority of our listeners who are, you know, further along in their career, relationships with your managers, in my opinion, actually get tougher the more senior that you are. So, you know, before Squeeze came into the picture, how did you balance the closeness and friendship with Ali and Michael, but also making sure that, you know, you're taken seriously and knowing that the tremendous amount of work you were surely putting into the company? Yeah. Yeah. People are, you know, people are the the best and sometimes the hardest part of business. I, I mm-hmm. personally have a passion for people. I believe in people. I, you know, love championing them and connecting on, on a personal level. So I think that, um, you know, for me, relationship building has always come easy, but with Michael and Ali in particular, you know, Drybar is a family business. And so everything was very personal. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, it's kind of a delicate balance of recognizing how much passion. And now that I've built you know, squeeze from the ground up, I understand just like the level of care, blood, sweat and tears, you know, everything that you put into into that. And, and so it was just it was kind of this dance, if you will, you know, there was a mm-hmm. lot that needed to change when I came in. And as we grew, there needed to be, you know, processes put into place and structure, and they couldn't sit around the dinner table and make a decision Tuesday <laughs> and have everything change Wednesday, you know, and so it was kind of, it was kind of a, a nuance, if you will. But I think that Um, As we were building our relationship, what I would try and do is outline the benefits of doing things differently, how it was going to help them be able to focus more on what they wanted and, you know, take some responsibility off their plate, which as a founder is always really difficult to do to, you know, start to loosen the reins. Um, And it was just over time that trust was built. Also, I would say that it's like, I mean, hard work, right? I was first in, last out of the office a lot of the time. I worked weekends. I, you know, I, 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 I approached my job like I also had started the company. Like it was my business too. And I think that, right. you know, business owners really appreciate that because there really is something to be said for people caring about your business as much as you. And then also I built personal relationships. So I took time outside of work to get to know them and understand what their passions were and, you know, invest my time personally in their families or things like that, that again, you know, business, we spend so much time working, right? So it, it is very much personal and, and professional at the same time. And I think that, you know, that idea of like, you leave your, your personal stuff at the door is nonsense at this point. <laughs> yeah, life. I mean you you are literally, you know, in my in my home yes, exactly. uh, via video. So I agree it's like we we have to change our, our boundaries in some ways and 
you've you've experienced it in your career. You know, as you were thinking about what's next, my understanding and from from your story is that you were really on your way out, ready ready for the next thing. And your manager at, was somebody and is somebody who's a woman and gave you a different opportunity. So, of course, I think that comes. My assumption is that that comes from her supporting you. But but why don't you tell me about that and and how you think that support really manifested itself in your career? Yeah, I've actually had several women in my career that have championed me along the way. Early on in my advertising days, I had a boss who was the smartest person in the room. She really ruled the roost, if you will. And she constantly supported me. I mean, it wasn't even giving me opportunity. It was letting me fail. And Mm -hmm. she also taught me really early on that I was the only one who was going to to make what I wanted happen for me. Like she would do as Mm -hmm. much as she possibly could to champion me, but it was, it was me that was going to have to really, you know, make things happen. And so I think that just created such an empowering mindset for myself. And then, yeah, switching gears to when I was at Drybar, you know, Allie obviously being the founder and her brother, Michael, you know, building that relationship with them over the years, when I got to the point of making that decision that it was time for me to move on, you know, it was, it was very humbling and really just such a neat thing for them to say, Hey, listen, we are bummed. We don't want that to happen. But if, if you're willing to consider something else, we would love to continue our partnership and, you know, kind of give you the opportunity to, to run with something new. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I actually, you know, really quickly to that point, I feel like it's important for people to recognize that it is so important to not burn bridges, (laughs) you know, I mean, the world is so small. And I think that if you're in a moment in time in your career and you're looking to move on, it's okay to have the conversation with your boss before you're making like a major move or a decision at the end Mm. of the day, like you're, you are. And I think also on the flip side, if you're unhappy, you shouldn't feel forced to stay. I think so many women have that like guilt in them, but you Mm -hmm. know, you're not, if you're, if you're looking to move on, you're not serving the company anymore. So it's like, you know, if your heart isn't in it anymore and, or you don't want to be there, it's, you're not doing anyone, you know, a favor by sticking around. So, so in any case, you know, we just had a, you know, heart to heart conversation and, um, and it led to this really cool opportunity for me that I think if I had just said, you know, peace out, I'm going somewhere else mm-hmm, immediately, mm-hmm. you know, my life would be looking very different, differently right now. And I think about people moving on job, shoot me for saying the word great, great resignation again. Mm-hmm. But um, that, that being said, I think about it two ways, right? Like there are times where we have an opportunity of a lifetime come along and you have to just say, you know what? I am responsible for my happiness and my success. Like this company will survive and it'll be okay. But I do think to your point, it's about no matter what stage of your career you're at, it's about saying, did I kind of exhaust all of my options for me to stay here and continue growing here? And if the answer is yes, for sure, move on. But I totally, totally hear you on that. And so, you know, in your professional transition from dry bar to squeeze, you go from a a very established company executive to a small startup where you are looking to disrupt the massage industry the same way that dry bar really disrupts the blowout industry. So let's start with just the concept. How exactly is Squeeze innovating and what problem are you looking to really solve in that space? 
So you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but blowouts and massages have been around for a very long time. So, you know, we weren't, we didn't invent either one. We just, (laughs) you know, have focused our efforts on making the experience better. I always like to equate it to what Uber did for transportation, what Airbnb did for hospitality, what Postmates did for food delivery. You know, they were taking an outdated experience and modernizing it. And that's really what we've done with Squeeze. I mean, when we looked at the massage landscape, it was one end of the spectrum, you had the low end discount chains that have been around for 15 plus years. And I always like to give them credit, you know, they made massage accessible to the masses, they created Mm -hmm. this behavior and routine in most Americans, but unfortunately, lack a lot from a consumer experience standpoint today, even though they're still, you know, clearly very affordable. And then on the flip side, you've got the high end hotels and spas, which are lovely, but unattainable for most people, both financially and time management standpoint to go regularly. And so what we wanted to do is, is kind of fill that hole in the middle. We wanted to bring in the sophisticated luxury experience, but at an affordable price point, very similar to, you know, what Drybar did within the, within the hair space. But in addition to that, and we were thinking, you know, thankfully we used the same founding team as Drybar. So the same architect, the same creative team, again, going back to that, like surprise and delight branding, all the little emotional touches that create a great experience. The biggest differentiation of Squeeze is our technology. So we actually have built out an end-to-end platform that enables our guests to do everything from book an appointment, set all their personalized preferences through to rating, tipping, and reviewing, just like Uber and Postmates at your Mm -hmm, leisure. mm -hmm. So we like to say our guests walk in and float out. It's a very convenient experience. It's also, again, very personalized because you're telling us exactly what you want. And on the, the back end, operationally, we've built in a lot of checks and balances to ensure that, you know, we're actually delivering against that. We've also added personalized touches within the space itself. So when you go into your massage room, which we call a suite, uh, you know, there's a phone charger, there's mints, there's hair ties, there's six different playlists that you can choose from. So it's not just the typical, you know, Zen uh, massage music. And we've added a ready button to the table. So you as the guest let the therapist know when you're ready for them to reenter and start the massage. So again, all those little things, we've just tried to to make the experience much better. Super, super cool. And I think especially interesting because you are in a quite literally physical industry where somebody is, you know, interacting with you and then they are touching your body. And so I'm, I'm sure that like when you think about technology, it's a really fine line of like, what do you what do you make technology do that takes away from some of that, but in other ways still leave room for that physical experience. So I know that you, you know, you were starting this business in the beginning slash midst of the pandemic. And I think the pandemic pushed every company in the direction of technology, thinking about what your intentions were and where they are now with the way that retail and the world is developing. Has that changed your outlook on the role of technology within your specific business and sector? It's interesting. I actually feel like we built a post-pandemic business before the pandemic was was even a thing. Um, So no, I actually feel like we're positioned very well, um, you know, at this point in time, because of our technology and the systems that we have in place. Clearly, you know, a human massaging a human isn't going to change. So there's always going to be that. <laughs> no aspect. Zoom for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, really, you know, the technology enables for everything else to happen and, and take place within the, the overarching experience. And to your point, it actually, you know, I think allows for a little bit more of that like human to human connection when the therapist is greeting the guest. Because they've all the guest has already told us everything that we need to know. So it's just like it's like, don't worry, we got you. You know, like here yeah. we here we go. Like we've got everything that you've told us. 
and just be, you know, be here to have an amazing, relaxing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, you know, kind of the experience and the conversation and, and interaction is really not about like, do you want this kind of massage? It's more about like, how's your day? How, you know, how, how does this make you feel? And, and so on and so forth. I think about how, you know, I work uh, in the office twice a week and then the rest of the time I'm home. And so for me, things that, you know, sometimes were annoying, like getting my nails done or walking out and, and picking something up or getting a massage or a blowout. Those are actually the moments of delight in my day now because I am home so often. And, and I think so your, your business actually plays, I think, an even more important part of somebody's life than it did before the pandemic. I agree with you. And I think there's a lot of, you know, interesting statistics that support that. I read recently that, you know, 80% of Americans are going to focus more on their self-care post-pandemic and Mm -hmm. also historically franchising as an industry grows, which is how we're scaling squeeze, which is another thing that personally for me has been such a joy in building this business. It's my first true entrepreneurial venture. And I love the idea of giving that opportunity to other to somebody else. Women, mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, I mean, the majority, mm-hmm. thankfully, so far of our franchisees are women, um, but but really just small business owners who want to create a feel good experience in their community. And, um, and so from that standpoint, you know, I'm excited because I really do feel like this is an amazing time for both independent, you know, entrepreneurs to grow and then also for this type of experience to exist meaningfully within communities around America. And and we've touched on this, you know, throughout the podcast, but when you think about moving from dry bar to squeeze, you've had a lot of changes, right? Your your resources, your teams, and even the brand recognition is significantly smaller for now. And so, you know, you mentioned some of the resources that you have brought over from dry bar, but thinking about the skill sets and specifically about how you are still trying to create innovation within the company and its operations, what have you really brought over from your dry bar and from your other professional experience that you're still using in your toolkit? Yeah, there were a lot of definitely, you know, hindsight being 2020, there's a lot of <laughs> things that we wished we could have done differently as we were building dry bar, particularly because that business just grew so rapidly. So there are a lot of things that we have implemented at squeeze to the benefit of this business. I think more than anything, it's on like the back end operational side of things, our consumer facing tagline is a way better massage experience. But when I'm talking to our franchisees, which we call our operating partners, I'm reminding them that we're also a way better franchise experience. And a lot of that Mm. is driven by just operationally how we've structured the business, what the technology platform enables for the operating partner, also for the team, you know, to come in and do their jobs as well as, as they can. So I think it's more about, you know, putting the the processes in place for every functional area of the business to enable us to scale pretty seamlessly. You know, so it's like opening marketing toolkits, recruiting playbooks, um, sure, you know, learning sure. management systems for the team to learn and grow from as we scale. A lot of the things that we were kind of like band-aiding <laughs> from, a, from <laughs> an approach standpoint totally. in the early days, um, you know, we really set out to do things differently and, and, you know, more organized, I suppose, is probably a good way of putting it. For sure. Before I let you go, I'd love to ask you one last innovation question. And that's the question we ask all of our guests. And that is, where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now, one year from now and 10 years from now? Interesting. 
one month from now, you know, hopefully more and more people are just getting back into the routine of massage. I know that, you know, we our one location is in Los Angeles right now and California obviously being the populated state that it is has kind of taken a slow, slower bounce back from COVID. So, you know, my hope is that we're just in a more normalized place as time goes on. So that's one month. So one year, and what's really exciting for me is just we will actually have squeezes coast to coast. So when I think about, again, growing through franchising, one of the best ways for people to consider bringing this type of experience to their community is to be able to experience it. So we'll be open in Scottsdale and Dallas and Nashville and um, additional places in Texas, California, Florida. So, you know, that's exciting to me. And, uh, you know, just the idea of actually scaling and having presence nationally and then 10 years. Wow. Gosh, that is wild. I feel like, you know, I can barely think about tomorrow, but <laughs> I think what I'll say to that is we built squeeze as we like to say a feel good company. And there's a lot that goes into that in terms of not only the feel good guest experience, which we've talked a lot about today, but also how we're trying to create a better employer brand for our team and also making meaningful impact to our communities beyond just the feel good uh, service that massage provides. And what I mean by that is we've partnered with a philanthropy called canine companions. And for every membership that we sell at squeeze, we're helping to provide a day of canine support to a person with a disability. And then also just quickly touching on the employee side, we've just done so much to create programs that allows our team to feel recognized. And I, I like to say that I want our team to feel valued for who they are, not just for what they do for us. And so there's just a lot right. of things that we've tried to build into our business to uh, ensure that people feel heard and that they, you know, feel connected, connected with on a personal level. So I think like 10 years from now, what my hope is, is that we've, we've really changed a lot of people's lives for the better. And, you know, our team loves coming to work every day that we've created really cool communities for our operating partners to have fulfillment in what they're doing every day. And then also, you know, when I think about that partnership with Canine Companions and hopefully having 500 plus locations open around the country, that's a really significant donation and meaningful impact that we're making, you know, to people who really need it. So that's my hope is that we've just kind of changed the dynamic, at least within the communities that will exist within. Super, super exciting and filled with meaning and purpose. Thank you so, so much for coming on and chatting with me today. Oh my gosh, it was my pleasure. Such a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakov. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.